Uh, Wardy, uh, how do you think you're going to elevate the hoops and recreation offense now that you're uh, in the starting lineup this week? Welcome to the Hoops and Recreation podcast, the four nightly podcast where we take you through four 12-minute quarters of all things basketball. I'm your co-host for today, Matt, and with me, as always, the biggest thing in basketball to come out of the year 1985, Mark. And our sixth man of the year, every single year, Wardy. Hey, dudes. We've got a great episode for you today with lots to talk about, so let's get started. So, Wardy, how does it feel, mate? You're in the starting lineup this week. As you can tell, as everyone listening can tell from the uh, intro, no Mark this week. How are you feeling? Are you ready to uh, make a, a, a big impact as a starter rather than off the bench today? I'm super nervous, but, you know, I've, I've been a starter <laughs> for a long time. Because I got old, I got uh, pushed down to the bench. But, um, yeah, I'm sure once I get going, I'm going to be all You'll right. Be all you know? right. Yeah, work, you know, work the creeks out of the knees and quick stretch yeah exactly uh, and, exactly yeah and we'll be fine and i think um i'm gonna i'm gonna elevate the our our offense we've got a one-two punch now um but the, hey. the, the best thing i'm gonna do uh is i'm not gonna get as technical fouls because you know <laughs> we won't have as much swearing this episode <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to keep the language won't be swearing any uh <laughs> swearing any officials this uh, episode <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we, we, we've got a lot to, to catch up on in the first quarter. We had some big, big games that have happened over the last few days. And uh, seeing as I like to sabotage this first quarter with all things Clippers talk, there's actually a warranted Clippers game to talk about this week. Yeah, there's no sabotaging. This, no. This, this is top billing for yeah, the, whole, 100%. the whole podcast. This, this is number one for Bullet. This is what we're going to do for four quarters. We're just going to spend 48 minutes just talking about this game. We're going to break down every single play. Uh, the game we're talking about, of course, is the Clippers versus the Kings. Uh, the second highest scoring NBA game in history. A double overtime thriller. 176 to the Kings. Unfortunately, 175 to the Clippers. Um very, very sad for as a Clippers fan to see us lose this game. But Jesus Christ, was it an absolutely amazing game. I saw loads of people online saying how this is hands down the best game of the season, if not one of the best games of, of recent seasons. Uh, it was a big game to go into it. At the time, you had the third in the West being the Kings versus the fourth in the West, the Clippers. As of day of recording, they have slipped down to the fifth uh, seed kind of because of the loss, etc. But again, there's barely anything in it between the Suns and, and the Clippers. So you never know after tonight, it could swap back around anyways. Um, but both teams came out the gates swinging uh, in this game. I'm pretty sure we had 16 points in two minutes or something stupid like that. And uh, it just kept going and going and going. I mean, being a double overtime game, you kind of expect it to be very big scoring. But I don't think any. I had to like rub my eyes when I woke up in the morning and looked at the the box score, hundred seventy five to hundred seventy six. It was an absolute madness. Yeah, it was a game of runs as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, there was no real flow to it. it both teams, I suspect the Clippers especially looked to be in control. They pushed away any advances by the Kings, and then they sort of grabbed control again. Um, 
and I broke up and caught um, uh, the score in the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. And I think there's yeah, I think there's four minutes to go. Um, that was the worst uh, four minutes for you to have watched. What's the, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I flicked onto something else because they're up <laughs> eleven. And I thought, okay, that's all right. I didn't want the Clippers to win though because the standings. And I was thinking, oh, oh okay. Uh, okay, well, you know, I was, I was cross that they were winning, so <laughs> I looked away. I flicked onto something else. I came back to it, and it was overtime. I said, like, "Oh, this this is going to be interesting." Yeah. I made sure to catch the end of that. But I made sure I was I was tuned in, but it didn't disappoint at all. Um, and when I went back and watched it, like the the fourth quarter and both overtime periods were just incredible basketball. Um, the, the Clippers looked so good, though. Yeah, it was so frustrating. Like. In my notes, I've got huge positives, but also huge negatives that kind of came mm. from the game as well. Um, watching the game, Kawhi was just incredible. I feel like we've jinxed it again. I think Mark either last week or the week before was like, it's been a bit disappointing this season, hasn't he? And he obviously took that personally and Kawhi just came yeah. out and absolutely shot the lights out. Um, just he, the scoring from all levels was absolutely great, especially from three. Uh, and he played his career high in minutes. Granted, it was a mm-hmm. double overtime, but I think he's played like 44 minutes or something like that, which is, as we said, the, the most he's played in um, a single game his entire career. So uh, 46 minutes, sorry, is what he played. Yeah. But looking at his stats, 16 for 22 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, uh, 6 of 6 from the line, uh, as well as scoring 44 points. He also got four rebounds, four assists, including one of the assists that was early on in the game, either in the first or second quarter, where he drove um, at the basket, span, looked like he went up for a shot. And from the angle that the, the, the game was being recorded, it looked like he just threw up a shot and completely missed. Next thing you know, Paul George has got it in the corner and bangs down a three. Like How on earth he managed to pull off that assist was absolutely uh, phenomenal. So I'm I'm really happy about how Kawhi played. He he absolutely smashed it this game. Yeah, it's nice to see him play that much because he got himself into a really really good rhythm. Yeah. Um, he got into that kind of rhythm where he doesn't look like he's trying because uh, yeah. he's he's that good. I mean, his defense was great. He was keyed in the whole time. Um, the odd thing was Paul George was on the minutes restriction, so yeah. he didn't finish the game, which I thought was weird. Um, and they ended up Russ fouling out as well. Yeah. Have, did you see? Did you see that they had? Um, there was a report from the refs afterwards. You had a lot of this this year where there are these kind of iffy calls, mm. and we're seeing in the reports afterwards. And there was a report that came out that basically they'd already admitted that the refs had got it wrong and they shouldn't have fouled Russ out. <laughs> yeah, you, that you, was you, iffy. You yeah. can tell that. You, you could argue, would that make a difference? I mean, it was in overtime. Is that going to make yeah. a difference? I don't know, especially if you've got Paul George out. And then essentially at this point, Westbrook is the, the third star for, for the Clippers. So your, your second star is already out. Your third star's now fouled out. You've got Kawhi, who is coming up to the most minutes he's ever played in a game. And we know, obviously, he's been load managing for the last however many seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, the, the Kings, we said it a couple of weeks ago where it was the Mavs versus the Kings on a back-to-back and there was the second game where the Kings just did not look like they were going to lose and I feel like it was exactly the same here yeah. um, the, the Kings just did not want to go down so bonus again fouled out but I was watching the the, the the game I watched the full game this time rather than normally I kind of catch the the highlights if I'm in a little bit of a rush but sat down and made sure I watched the whole game this weekend and Sabonis is just absolutely unreal like watching him is just 
he's he's just incredible and he has been for the last however many seasons but I feel like he's really clicking in this Kings offense yeah and him and Fox look like they have everything under control they're yep. a really good pairing um again like I said with Kawhi they make basketball look easy um they know each other really really well you know they don't step into each other's games yeah they're very clear roles on that team and I think that's what's needed you know there's no you know the Kings haven't swung for the fences to try and find a superstar they've got two very good players who work well together they seem to be the sort of guys you want on a team who wants to work hard they're going to drag people with them just by the way they play and the way they work um and then obviously that hot performance from Malik Monk as well um he's, yeah. he's one of these guys he was um a reasonably high draft pick he's bounced around a bit he's always you know i think labeled as as a scorer and has never found his place in the league but every now and again he has a game like this and i mean they needed it yeah i think unless he, if he doesn't have that game it's a different story but 100 percent. and looking i had a little look at malik monk's like highest scoring games and this was his career high 45 points against the clippers but he did have again another one of these games earlier on in the season, uh, 33 points against the Nuggets in a very close win again. The Kings beat the Nuggets 127 to 126. And I don't know if you remember earlier on in the year, we spoke about it on the podcast, but we had the game with uh, Terence Davis, who scored Mm. 35, no, sorry, it was 31 points against the Nets. And I think the thing with the Kings is, like you've just kind of said said there, Wardy, they have their fundamental offense being the, the two lefties, Sabonis and Fox, but they've also got these random players like dotted around the roster that can just like go on a bit of a streaky run and all of a sudden they're that that kind of gives them this competitive edge whether it is Terence Davis or whether it is uh Keegan Murray maybe or whether it is uh like you said Malik Monk uh, you never know Kevin Herter could go off on a, a game like they do have these extra players that can kind of go off on it. I mean, Malik Monk was averaging before this game 13 and a half points. So it just shows like players that are averaging 13 and a half points don't often score 45 points in a game. So (laughs) that was the complete difference maker there. The other difference maker that I've noted down, and this is a negative for the Clippers, turnovers. You said there that you kind of tuned Mm. in at the final four minutes. We absolutely blew the game the end of the fourth was awful like you said there Wardy we were up 11 at one stage and it was just turnover after turnover after turnover and the Kings actually looking at the 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 kind of breakdown we had 25 turnovers the Kings scored 42 points off of turnovers (laughs) 42 points do you want to know how many we scored off of turnovers uh 27 so straight away there you can see like it was the turnovers that absolutely Killed it for us. Um, it was unfortunate. Paul George made two simple mistakes at halfway line, being with barely any pressure on him, just handed the ball yep. for a, two, two layups, back to back possession. Tatum, uh, not Tatum, sorry, wrong, wrong game. Wrong um, game. <laughs> yeah, Batum. Yes, it's, it's literally the same letters. Um, Batum thought he was auditioning for the third Splash Brother right down the end. He, <laughs> he had a solid game, but then he just started, every time he caught the ball, he was like, I'm going to win this game now. Yeah. I'm going to show everybody that I used to be really good. Um, and that was a shame. And Norm, Norm Powell just made some really stupid mistakes, fouling people at the end of the game. But also, one of the things, I think it was in the third, um, I noticed that uh, he kept every single time he was driving, getting bumped, throwing up a shot and thinking that he was going to get the foul. And 
it mm. wasn't the case. But uh, again, I think feel like we could talk all evening about this game, but there are a couple of other big games that we need to talk about. I'm, I'm more than happy to spend all day talking about the Clippers, but uh, we'll give some other yeah, teams... It's a good game to talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll give some other yeah. teams a little bit of a shine because uh, not long after that, we had Celtics versus Sixers. Uh, big win for the Celtics. They're obviously trying to really get that first spot. Uh, and as much as the Sixers by winning this game, maybe won't go into the second seed or, or even push for the first. I think the repercussions from all of these games in the East are bigger than we think. The Celtics are first, but they need to really cement that first place spot yeah. as kind of, as either the Bucks or the Celtics, they need to get first. It's not like in the West, where as long as you get home court advantage, you're going to kind of be all right. Because whoever whoever gets second in the East is going to have to go through the Sixers in the second round. And I don't think the Celtics or the Bucks want that at all. Um, that being said, the Celtics have now won all three of their games against the Sixers this year. But the one thing I took, I took away from this game is Embiid's just a freak. Like I know, I know we say this every single week, but it's quite funny. Looking at all of these big teams, these like kind of uh, potential championship teams, they all have some sort of athlete that is an absolute freak you've got Memphis and Jar who's just the most explosive player there is Embiid should not be doing what he's doing for his size Giannis obviously the Greek freak you've got Mm -hmm. Jokic who for his size should not be passing the ball LeBron who is 20 years into his career and still playing how he's playing and all I took away from this game is Embiid's a freak and the Celtics are just a really fundamentally sound basketball team. Like they are clearly the best team in the league at the minute and they just don't have one of those freak players. Like you just watch them play and they know yeah. exactly where they are. They have players that do their role. They don't have a single weak link in the team, in my opinion. And they just do what they do every season. They're just, they're just consistent. They're just consistent. But what did you think about this game? Yeah, I mean, I like what you said about the consistency because... You know, Tatum is their go-to guy. He's their leader. Um, but he had a quiet game for him. I think he only had like 18 points. Yeah. Um, he had the biggest play of the night, though. Oh, with the that ending. Through. I mean, that that was incredible. Um, he's He's got the MVP swagger. I mean, when you got 15 points in a close game yeah. and then you just dribble half the court and pull up a three to win the game. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's the difference between... You know, these kind of players in this league, it's that confidence, it's that ability to know that this is my team, I'm going for this one. That's the difference between a Malik Monk hitting an important three and Jason Tatum hitting an important three. Yeah, and uh, I mean, even the the Embiid three that didn't count was... uh, He knew it as soon as he release it he was half looking away then he thought this might go in and it went in and he was like shrugging to the he was telling the crowd no shut up didn't go in Um, but yeah I mean I love what you said about Embiid he's had a couple of ridiculous games this week I think um, what was it 41 12 five assists three blocks he had six blocks in a game against the Grizzlies I think yep Um, he's doing this so easily it seems and um if you go back to sort of his first couple of years because of his load management and all of his injuries, I think everyone expected him to be really good, big guy. He was going to have that typical slow down by his injuries. So he was just going to be dominant because of his size uh, and his skill set. But he doesn't look like a player who barely played for four, his first four years. He looks so good and he's, he's absolutely at his peak. Um, and he just knows how to do it. And I think a lot of that is James Harden. Yep. Um, he's there to take a lot of the load off him, but also he lets uh, MB do his thing. You know, he's a side note, Harden, and he, you know he's another guy still in his prime. Um, but this this game was good, especially the ending, and it was 
you know, I think you're going to get to see this a lot when you get Sixers, Bucks and Celtics all playing against each other because they're the teams that know you need to win these games in the regular season to get that little bit of a boost ready for the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. And uh, talking about teams that, that want a bit of a boost going into the playoffs, the last game that we'll talk about for, for this quarter, very quickly, because we are over our time already, uh, Memphis versus Nuggets. Uh, again, very, very big game in the West. First versus second. Big win for Memphis, who I feel like have been a little bit quiet uh, since uh-huh. Jar made his comment of we're okay in the West. Uh, <laughs> but this game, I don't think it was as, as exciting as we maybe wanted it to be. It feels like Memphis kind of got a little bit of a lead early and the Nuggets kind of rolled over knowing that they are playing the Clippers I'm pretty sure today Um, uh, but Memphis just carried on doing what they're doing Memphis are playing incredibly defensively they currently have the best defensive rating in the NBA Um, and again other than the fact that Jar's a freak athlete as I was kind of saying a second ago and you either love the Grizzlies or you hate them because they talk so much crap. Um, I feel like since the comments, they've kind of simmered down a little bit, but they're still second and they're still playing great. Yeah, they had a rough patch. And yeah. um, I, I think he's right, though. You know, they're okay in the West because they're going to finish second. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't think they've got to worry about, you know, they've got the Kings, the Suns, the Clippers. They're going to be fighting for third place and not going to push much for any higher than that. Um, and the Nuggets have showed they're, you know, like the Celtics in the East, they're the, the dominant team this year to beat. Um, you know, both these guys are a must-watch um, for different reasons. You know, obviously, Jar, like you said, and then, you know, Jokic is, you know, he's, he's a savant, isn't he? He's yeah. one of the, you know, he's a he's a big, lumbering-looking dude, but he he's, he plays awesome basketball. Yeah. He plays within himself and he, he plays for his team. Uh, he lets the game come to him, you know. He, you can blink and then he's got a triple-double and think, I thought he just stood around in the post and, you know, like directing people. He's got the most... I think I saw something earlier that I'm pretty sure this season he has more triple doubles than the rest of the league does this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, and again, it's why he's up there as potentially being a three-time MVP. Yeah. Uh, before we before we, or we could have a quick timeout or uh, you know we could no no keep going keep okay, going it's okay. fine it's fine um, I only want to appease Mark um, just in oh of course just in case the Knicks lose while he's out in New York um, <laughs> on his flight home when he listens to this uh, Julius Randall has had two monster games um, off his you know all star Julius Randall uh, yeah. forty six points versus the Wizards he's stuffed the stat sheet as well and then. 26 points versus the Pelicans and also gives him two wins um, as they look to push past the Nets, uh, which I think are playing against each other, aren't they? And, and Mark, yep. Mark is going to see. So, um, yeah, this is just in case the Knicks have a stinker. Um, keep Mark happy. We, we want to say something nice about, we want to say something nice about yeah, the Knicks exactly. is what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We're going Knicks positive on this one. Exactly. It's the only time. <laughs> when Mark's here, it'll be the complete opposite. It's just because he's not here that we'll be nice. Right, Wardy, into the second. And uh, in this quarter, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, fashion, on-court shoes, off-court shoes, probably rip into what League Fits have said, as we normally do week on week. And uh, we're going to kind of elaborate on something that we spoke about briefly during last week's halftime show. We obviously gave a little bit of a review on the... Uh, All-Star game last week. And one of the things we said was, obviously, Jason Tatum 
winning the All-Star MVP, wearing the brand new JT ones, the Jordan JT ones. And since uh, the shoes were debuted, uh, it has been announced by Jordan Brands that we are getting four initial colorways of the JT one. And uh, overall, I think they're, they're all... Very, very solid colorways. A lot of people are excited. Uh, something that we said during our last episode is JT uh, Tatum kind of lied to us a little bit by saying the original shoes that we saw the images of weren't his shoes. They most definitely were based on what we are seeing now. But um, what I really like is uh, there's a little bit of storytelling without really realizing it with every single one of these shoes that are dropping. So there's four colorways, all very, very different to one another. The first one that was uh, announced was the pink lemonade uh, colorway, which is an homage to Jason Tatum's favorite beverage. And it is in a bright and vivid pink with yellow shades to kind of cover the upper and things like this. So very nice looking shoe there with some hits of kind of a, a nice light blue going up the tongue and right kind of around the, the heel and things like this. Uh, the second colorway that was uh, announced was the barbershop colorway, which is kind of like a gray and uh, black with some blue, white and red hits like a, kind of a barbershop. So uh, the, the the kind of intro or description to this um, that, I, that, that I've got on Sneaker News is when Tatum gets a fresh cut, his confidence receives a boost and he truly believes he's top five in the league. Um, probably the loosest of all of the inspirations that we have from the uh, JT1 colorways. <laughs> he likes getting his hair cut, so we're just going to call it a barbershop. Why not? I think the MVP ballot at the moment says he's top five in the league. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't yeah, need a suit to tell him that. <laughs> Or a haircut, or a haircut. <laughs> but hey, the, uh, the the third shoe that we have is the Zoo colorway, which is really the one that we saw rumoured, uh, predominantly black and red shoe yep. with kind of, it looks like a little bit of a, it's not an animal print because it's red, but it looks a little bit kind of like a, a almost a zebra tigery kind mm. of pattern towards the heel of the shoe. And uh, uh, this is basically homage to the fact that one of the favorite things that Tatum likes to do is go to the the, the zoo with his son Deuce um, and kind of it has a, a mix of different wild prints and things like this to have that on there and finally we have the St. Louis colorway uh, giving homage to um, uh, St. Louis um, which is Jason Tatum's hometown mm-hmm. so I like the fact that it's kind of there is a little bit of inspiration again the barbershop is probably the loosest inspiration <laughs> but out of these out of these four colorways Wardy um, first of all I suppose do you like the shoe I know we briefly spoke about it before but we've got a bit more time now do you like the shoe and out of these four if I was to say you have to buy one what one are you picking I do like this shoe I think the initial picture we got was it was a terrible angle you know it was, yep. it was black on a black background it didn't look like it was like no colorway we'd seen tater when no. it's not even close so it did look bootleg and i think it you know we called it the potato um yeah yeah how's about the potatum one would be a good <laughs> a good name for that shoe um oh, no. <laughs> but now we've seen it now they've done the proper rollout the shoe looks really nice it's it's not quite low it feels like a bit mid i like the cage on the outside yep. um it's definitely something I'd like to try. I like the uh, the heel pull is not yeah. at the top. It's it's on top of the midsole, um, which is a nice little detail. Um, I do like, I like, like you say, I like the storytelling bit. Um, the zoo one, I, I quite like, actually. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I'd wear it, but 
it's a nice colorway, especially the zoo bit, because you know who doesn't like going to the zoo with their kids? Hey. It's a it's a good day out. Um, I think he wore the barbershop one on court this week. Uh, yep. It actually looks much nicer. Uh, it, those colours, the the red and the blue, one on each shoe, they really pop. Um, but oh, I, it's, an, it's a nice looking shoe. Mm. I just find it funny that like all the rest of them, I'm like, okay, he really likes pink lemonade. That yeah. makes sense. He likes going to the zoo with his son. That makes sense. He's from St. Louis. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. But then it's like barbershop because he thinks he's top five in the league and he likes to have his hair cut um that, that, that's the only thing like the actual shoe itself is mm. a really really nice shoe uh and you're right i liked the mismatch of like i said the bit of the blue on one yeah. and a bit of the red on the other yeah no that, that's a good look but the, the favorite is the pink lemonade yes um, i was gonna say the same thing no ab- absolutely hands down like perfect colorways um you know it's, it, do you not it's think good. though something that's just literally popped into my brain yeah is this looks like basically the same colorway as the jar one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly, pink and blue is the way that Nike and Jordan Brown want to, to go forward. I mean, you've got two shoes that are coming out very yeah. close to one another and they both have a pink and blue colorway. I'm just saying. But hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I'm sure Mark could tell us these are probably this season's colors. And, um, you know, <laughs> that, that's what's going to pop. But no, that, I mean, they stand out. Um and they, they make the shoe look a lot better. Colorways, everything when you're looking at a shoe. Like, yeah. So many times I've picked up a shoe and thought, this is this is disgusting. Uh, and then you wait another month, you get a drop of a, a different colorway and you think, wow, these are amazing. Well, I mean, prime example, over the last month, we've been raving about how much we like the look of the uh, LeBron 20 and uh, the Liverpool FC colorway, the all red colorway, it looks absolutely dreadful. Like as soon as I saw that, <laughs> I almost was ashamed about how much we were raving about the LeBron 20 going into uh, this season. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Colorway is a massive, massive deal when it comes to uh, picking any of these shoes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're all they're all good, and I'll, I'll definitely have a look at uh, getting these. I do like them. Oh, I mean, okay. for, for me, it's got to be a bit lower these days, um, and, and they look nice. And you know, yeah. you know, I've said it before. I got, I got the Zions, I got the Lucas. I want, hey. I want to play like these all stars, you know. So <laughs> I'm going to try and try and do anything possible if I can play. You know, I play like Tatum. Uh, I play like Zion at the moment. Oh, um, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Injured or <laughs> I'm injured sitting on the bench. So they were the perfect well, shoe for me to not play exactly. Here. Exactly. Well, we we wanted to play a little bit of a game um, this week, seeing as we uh, have seen over the last couple of seasons now an array of new silhouettes and new um, kind of signature lines being introduced with kind of these previous, well, still all-stars starting to kind of get a little bit older. The the new all-stars are coming in and these brands are starting to uh, give them their signature shoes. So we're going to play a little bit of a game of uh, basically start, bench and cut with Nike, Jordan Brand and Adidas. And Wardy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to present you with three signature lines from these uh, three brands. And all you need to do is tell me which of these lines you are going to start, your favourite, bench you think's all right but not good enough to kind of make the cut and then cut completely they're never going to exist again we are discontinuing these lines all right do you understand the rules of the game yeah so we're playing um marry snog avoid with trainers basically but if we if we call it marry snog avoid then that's a we have to change the explicit rating on the uh on the uh on the podcast so oh, we're, we're keeping it a little bit pg oh okay but yeah. we're, we're still going to have tongues so 
Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm starting with Nike, and I'm sorry, Wardy, I did prepare you a little bit in advance to this of which ones I was going to pick, but I'm I'm changing it up ever so slightly uh, because I almost feel like with one of these series, it's unfair to put all of these shoes in the mix. And the three Nike signature series we are going with is the the PG series. I think you're up to the PG six now. We're throwing New Boy Jarmorant in the mix. And the Zion, uh, not the Zion, sorry, uh, the Giannis Zoom Freak, which I think we're up to four on the Zoom Freak. So out of those, the PG, Jar, and Giannis, which signature line are you going to start, bench, and cut? Okay, so Jar is only on one, which yep. which does limit him. Um, although it's a good it's a good looking shoe, so that, that's a positive. Um, I have played in PGs, and I've really liked wearing them. Um, okay. And Giannis the Freak... I liked the first iteration, um, but they've all looked, they've all looked quite similar. Uh, I yeah, don't think I'm there's been a lot. Yeah, which one's which? No, yeah. I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> you know, they've all got backwards ticks. So, yeah. Um, I think I will. I'm going to I'm going to start the, the PG series. Um, okay. The most recent ones I played in were threes, and they were the most comfortable shoes I've played in for a long time. Uh, oh, okay. Great colorways as well. Some really good colorways. Good storytelling with it as well. Um, I always like the PlayStation PGs as yes. well. He always does like a PlayStation edition. Oh, They're always great. Would love a pair of those. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd bench jar, you know. Okay. Is it like most rookies? They need a little bit of time <laughs> to, to get to it. Put them on the bench, you know, let them make a few mistakes. Um, yeah, and I, uh, I'm, I'm going to cut the freak. Oh, the freak's getting cut. Well, when you say it that way, it sounds a little bit mean. But, it does sound um, mean, yeah. But no, let's go. I, but just I, I because agree, there's, though. Yeah, there's, there's been not a lot of changes. Um, they look really good the first time they came out. You know, the backward swoosh and, you know, yeah. Giannis is an exciting player, but they've not changed enough. Um, and I think some of his colorways are a bit too much for me. Yeah. I also feel like not even a se- like not even a whole season into his signature line i feel like all of a sudden he was on his third like the yeah. first one released and then all of a sudden we blinked and it's four like i'm it, i don't know whether time's just going by me really quickly but i'm sure the first one only released like two years ago yeah it was yeah. somehow on the zoom freak four and i'm sure the five's going to release soon all right well there's our, our start bench cut for nike um we're almost doing a little sidestep uh to jordan brand here mm-hmm. and uh we're gonna go with all newbies here all newbies we are going with luca JT and Zion. So JT obviously not quite released yet. Luca's on his first model. Zion is on his second. So still newbies in the league. Start bench cut. Well, I've got I've got Zion ones, um, and I've played a little in them um, because I, I'm I'm rehabbing, so I'm not doing a lot. They were they were too high. They're a bit too stiff for me, uh, but I like the look of them. Um, I think they're a really really nice looking shoe. I don't like the look of the Zion two at all. They look too bulky. Um, yeah, I mean he's a bulky guy, but it's not. not it. the, yeah, he needs it. It's not not the kind of shoe uh, that I like. It looks, I don't know, a little bit like a Patrick Ewing shoe from okay. the nineties. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Um, like we see with the Tatum's, I'm quite high on these at the moment, especially that pink lemonade colorway. Yeah, you know, I think they look really good. Um, and I've it's totally gone out of my head. Who who else are we talking about? We've got Luca, JT, Luca. and Zion. Oh, I shouldn't forget Luca. I've got his as well. You've, uh, you've got the Lucas recently, and I I like the Lucas. I like them a lot, um, but I think just for the uh, just for the colorways um, and is the Tatum. So I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna start the Tatum, um, 
you know, because who wouldn't want Luca coming off your bench? Oh, there's worse players to be coming off your bench. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I think he's he's someone who will get a better line, you know, further on. I think yeah. um, you know, he's going to get a, a better line going on. Um, so, yeah, start Tatum, bench Luca, and then, yeah, Zion, get him out Perhaps of here. Zion. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, to be fair, he's going to be injured half the season anyways, most seasons. So uh, yeah, exactly. you can only wear him 50% of your time. So Yeah, most people yeah. could tell you what a Zion 2 looked like because they've not well, seen I had to court. genuinely Google it going into <laughs> this segment. I was like, actually, just before we recorded, you were like, he's on his second. I was like, is he? He's on his second, is he? <laughs> so I had to Google it, I'm afraid. Uh, well, we're going to finish saving uh, not so best till last. And Wardy, I will say you can't just cut all of these. I'm sure if Mark was here, he would just instantly say cut, cut, cut. Uh, I have deliberately left one of these superstars out to uh, not, again, trying to appease Mark, even though he's not here. Uh, there's no Trey Young's uh, being mentioned today. Uh, <laughs> we do have Adidas as our final brand. And the three that we're looking at is the Dame series, the Harden series, and the Spider series, the uh, Donovan Mitchell series. All of these, we're about six to 10 shoes in. Like there's <laughs> quite a lot of all of these shoes. So no newbies here. What do we reckon? This is tough. Because I haven't really liked what Adidas <laughs> have done recently. I don't. I don't wear Adidas because they're not comfortable to me. Yeah. Uh, they 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 feel very narrow. Um, it just I, I, we're going to be so nice to Mark. Um, we're going to put this. We're going to put the Trey Young in as a fourth one, and we're going to send him down to the G League. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he needs more work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Especially with oh, his uh, with his PEs putting King of Broadway, he needs yeah. to uh, he needs to go back. You know, he needs to be back in the G League or down to the G League. <laughs> you know, perhaps doing some menial tasks like washing the kit and driving the team bus. Oh wow! So he's not even bound to the G League. He's been demoted to uh, like facilities manager or something yeah. like that. Wow. Yeah, let's put, let's put him down there. Come on, we're keeping Mark happy this episode. Um, <laughs> um, I think Dame has got the best line out of these. Okay. Um, Harden has had a couple that I've looked at and thought they, they look nice, but he's had some ones that look absolutely hideous. Yeah. Um, I'm not really a fan of the, I think it's the seven this time. I, I don't really like them. They look way, they're lows mostly, but they're way too low. Um, yep. They they look a bit sort of samba low, like super, super yeah, low. They're very, very low. Some of them are, are very low. Yeah, um, I don't like those. And Donovan Mitchell's ones are just a bit nothing to me. I don't think <laughs> they've not established themselves. I think Adidas have a really hard time. You know, like, they all look very similar. Yeah, and like Nike do with the storytelling with the colorways. Um, you know, they do that. It, it seems like Adidas don't really have a lot of input. They just put a shoe out because James Harden's wearing it, Donovan Mitchell's wearing it, Dame's yeah. wearing it. I think they rely on on the player. The star. Exactly, uh, to ship the shoe. So uh, I'm going to start Dame. I'm going to bench Harden. Uh, I'm going to cut Mitchell. Ooh, I suppose it makes sense. We've got the fewer of the Mitchells, so it, yeah. it does make sense. Yeah. La- last one in, first one out, basically, is what we're going with here. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, don't forget, let's send Trey down to the G League. <laughs> <laughs> just to emphasize it i really hope trey young is not listening to this episode because uh he's g- the the jinx that we're gonna put on the next hawk he's gonna score 100 points on his own next time and it will be against the knicks after this episode right so wardy 
you finished your first half as a starter, and I tell you what, if there was ever a time to shine, is when we're going into when we're going into your quarter of all quarters, and that is our third quarter throwback. So, Wardy, let the listeners know what game we're talking about this week. Yeah, I'm in the flow now, so let's let's keep it going. Uh, we <laughs> we we're going back um, pre pre Clippers fandom for you. Um, yeah, to the twentieth of November. 2010 um we got the clippers versus the new york knicks and this is blake griffin's uh his debut season he missed um the 2009-2010 his season his yep. proper rookie season uh due to injuries um and there was so much hype around him and that had only built over that year that he was off he's a tremendous athlete in college um and everyone is excited to see what he could do um and this is basically Blake Griffin versus Amari Stoudemire of the Knicks uh, in his first season and having a, a great season as the, num- the true number one guy on the team. Um, and this, this game was really good. I'm so glad we went back to watch this because we probably see this a, a couple of clips in this game every oh, month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is the Mozgov game. I mean, this game oh, yes. birthed a phrase, didn't it? To, yep. get Mo- to get Mozgov became a thing. I don't think, I can't think of anything else in basketball and sports where, you know, that, that act has then become a phrase that you, you know, you know exactly what that person's talking yep. about. Um, but watching Blake as a rookie was, was awesome because he was so raw, but he had a really good game still. Like he had a really yep. good offensive game. Um, you know, he, he knew how to play within himself. Um, he was incredibly explosive. You know, he made a few mistakes, which is to be expected, but he had all the aspects of his game that he still has now, that mid-range game. You know, he was um, very aware and willing passer too, and you, you could see that in this game. And he absolutely wanted to win every game. You know, he went out there to try and pull the rim off the backboard, it seems, all the time. Yeah. I mean, he had three incredible dunks that weren't dunks because he either got fouled or you, yeah. you know the play stopped and yeah he he just went to Mozgov everybody before that you know half an hour before that was a thing yeah. um but as, as a Clippers fan Matt what do you feel about this game looking back I I love watching old or older Clippers clips because for for Clippers fans that have been Clippers fans for a long time they went through the pain of just after this era, right? Like like you said, 2010, this was just before Lob City, but we had all of the kind of foundations of Lob City. Blake Griffin, like you said, have, had his first kind of full season with the Clippers. You also had the Andre Jordan on the, the Clippers as well. And we were starting to kind of get towards uh, that era where there was so much expectation on the Clippers. So I haven't felt the heartbreak of uh, the, this kind of era of Clippers getting to the conference semi-finals and then losing after having all of this star power. I can just kind of look back on it and go, "Wow, wouldn't this be fun to be a Clippers fan around this time?" Knowing full well that it wasn't. But yeah, watch it. Watching this back, like you said, the explosivity of, of Blake Griffin was just absolutely crazy um funnily enough actually Wally, i don't know if you remember this but we spoke about this game in our halftime show uh very briefly in our halftime show where we were asked the question of our favorite 
uh, poster dunks. Mm. And I specifically said I couldn't pick one, so I was going to pick all three of Blake Griffin's <laughs> dunks from this game. And uh, yeah, all of them were absolutely mad. I think my favourite, it was the last one where... It's uh, Blake one-on-one with Gallo, spins up and absolutely just destroys Gallo, bless him. But yeah, it was a really, really good game. But like I said, it was just a game of two players, really. If we're looking down the box score, um, I mean, Eric Gordon had a a good game, 25 points, um, but it, it was just... Blake Griffin versus Stoudemire. Um, The two of them combined for, what, 83 points across the game? And it did just seem like it was Blake would go up, post to someone, Stoudemire would come back, hit a mid-range jumper, Blake Griffin would come back, post to someone, and it was just one-on-one. And I think at one stage, the, the commentator was like, They've gone back to they've gone back to back on points, but I know I know whose points were pretty. Yeah. Obviously, referring to the fact that <laughs> Blake Griffin had just absolutely destroyed Mozgov, uh, and it did just seem like it was that it was just young, athletic mm-hmm. uh, Griffin trying to carry a team, and then Stoudemire trying to do exactly the same for the Knicks. Um, and again, we see this game because of the highlights of those dunks, but looking at the box score the expected New York Knicks be a not-so-good Clippers. Um, looking at the standings for this season, uh, the Clippers finished 13th and the Knicks finished 6th. So you can straight away see there the difference between these two teams. But a great game to watch again just because of the the raw talent that we had with Blake Griffin. Yeah, and I love the commentators they kept going back to the similarities of Griffin and Stoudemire. Yeah. Um, and sort of now, 12, 13 years on, you can actually see that Blake, maybe a couple of years ago, well, specifically when he was at the Pistons, he really, yeah, he really, really defined his game to that kind of Stoudemire level. I mean, I think he's he was a better player at that point than Stoudemire by a bit. Um, but he had slowed down. Like, like I said at the start of this section, he... He had those skills in his arsenal, like the mid-range game. You know, he's got a really good basketball IQ. Um, but as you get older and your explosiveness leaves you, you have to rely on those things. And Blake did a great job transitioning from the high flyer, Lob City, Blake Griffin, into a really solid player. And I think he had one of his best statistical seasons as a piston before yeah. the injuries took a hold and, you know, really slowed him down. But even now with the Nets and the Celtics, he's actually really solid. He's a vet you can throw in there. Um, and unfortunately, we never saw that with Stoudemire. After things were at Sarah in New York, he bounced around and then went to Israel to play. So we, we didn't see that part of his game, you know, uh, refine over time. But it, the similarities are, are so good. I mean, Stoudemire that season... He was still athletic, but he didn't rely on that at all. His footwork yeah. was incredible. Like he treated, he treated Blake Griffin like a rookie in the post. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, he had him, you know, going for head fakes. He was ducking in and ducking out. He was passing to the right person. I mean, Blake Griffin looks like a vet on an offense. He looked absolutely like a rookie on defense. Oh, like, he didn't know, didn't know how to play NBA defense at all. And stood by, knew that. Um, and he he knew he didn't have to overpower Blake because I don't think he could because um, he's a strong guy, Blake Griffin. I mean, you used to yeah. see the battles he had with some real big guys and they would lose all the time. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely showed his veteran savvy and um, him and Felton were a great combo. And I remember that season, 
they were exciting for the Knicks. Everyone's thinking, wow, Raymond Felton's been rescued from the Bobcats. Thrown in with Studemar, that's all he needed. Um, and it's, I don't know, I'd love to hear Mark's take, but it's, uh, it's a little <laughs> bit dis- It's. It would have been nice to know what they would have ended up doing if they didn't swing for fences and then... Carmelo halfway through that season. Yeah, and again, it's always what if with a lot of these mm-hmm. uh, trades, right? I mean, um, we're seeing a lot of them at the minute happen with obviously KD going to the Suns and um, obviously Kyrie going to um, Mavs and obviously, as we were talking earlier about Clippers getting Westbrook and there's so many trades. Again, it's all the, all of these trades, it's almost like a, a what if, right? It is a, yeah. um, every decision there's always going to be an outcome and actually mentioning that we, we were talking a second ago um Wardy about the fact that obviously this was this game was just before the Lob City era and a lot of Lob City players have come out to say that was their best opportunity to win a championship you've got to think CP3 currently without a ring Blake Griffin without a ring DeAndre Jordan without a ring obviously JJ Redick retired without a ring but I have realized something this season there is a very possible chance that one of those three big players from Lob City might win a championship now this year. We've got CP3 with KD and the Suns. You've got Celtics and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan's chilling on the Nuggets. And they are there. If you were to tell me right now that one of those three teams is going to win the championship. 100% I'd agree with you, 100%. So there is a very high chance. Everyone says about the uh, the Lob City era being the biggest opportunity for those three players to win a ring. I feel like this, surely, <laughs> 2023 has to be the biggest opportunity for one of them to win a ring. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, no one thought that um, they, yeah, they'd win a ring and not play any minutes out, exactly. outside of CP3, <laughs> although he's going to get injured in the playoffs and, and not play anyway. So... Um... We'll see, but yeah, that's 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 a good point. That's a, I really like that idea that DeAndre Jordan could beat both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin to a ring. Hey, I mean, I'm never gonna bet. I'm never gonna bet against Jokic. <laughs> I'm never gonna bet against Jokic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've also got um, we, we've seen two lots of Eric Gordon this week as well. Yeah, uh, we we saw him playing for the Clippers in his first couple of games back, um, and young Eric Gordon when he was there first time round. And actually, I think you forget, because he's a shooter basically now, he did a lot more than just shoot. And I remember he was a good, he's a really good player. And that's, you know, that's why he got traded for CP3. I think he was the centrepiece of that trade for them. Um, and for good reason. Um, but you know what? He looks, he looks really old now compared to Matt. He's one guy <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as well. who's aged He's aged terribly. Um, I mean, he still looks in shape, but he just looks old. I mean, he looks like yeah. a chicken nugget now. <laughs> I can't disagree. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I mean, you were just saying there about how he was more than a shooter. I mean, at the minute, he's absolutely ridiculous. Like, mm. I saw a couple of... One of the plays that he had um, against the Kings was way beyond the the three point line and again there was a couple um I saw when we f- when we first got him back as part of the trade recently that a bit of a a kind of three point highlight package was was put online and again he's such range on his three point shot but it was Eric Gordon that set up 
one of those or kind of the probably the biggest out of the three dunks on Moskov where he kind of drives in, goes up for the shot, sees a cut in Blake Griffin, passes it through the defender, Blake's up in the air and yeah, ramming Moskov's head where it probably shouldn't have been. But uh, <laughs> again, it just shows that he was he was able to do more than just what he is now, which at the minute, again, his second phase with the Clippers, he's... Uh, a three-point vet off the bench and here we yeah. had a, a young Eric Gordon that was really trying to make a name for himself. Yeah, I feel like he was a bit of a, a poor man's Paul Pierce or a very poor man's Paul Pierce. Just the way he could he could attack the basket but he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He did it with an old man's game um, and he was always looking for other people but if he needed to, he, he could get you a bucket. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously he transitioned a lot, you know, very quickly. I think as soon as he, he ran out of time in uh, New Orleans, um, he just became, you know, that guy that was going to get you a three. Um, but it's nice. I love these this quarter. We can go back and you remember oh, why yeah. you love these players because you know I like Eric Gordon. You know, he was a target of the Suns at one point, and I think yeah, he'd be really good. But it's nice to go back <laughs> and see them in their prime when they're young and they've got all this enthusiasm and they, you know, they're showing off because they want they want minutes. They want to get you know they want to get paid. Um, and that's what you get with these young guys in their first few years. They need to get established themselves, so they're putting everything out on the table. Um, and even with Eric Bledsoe, again, he was another you know key yeah. part of that team. Um, and he was you know he was brilliant. He was really really looked at. It's a bit like with Shea when the Clippers got rid of Shea. It was very the same feeling when they got rid of Bledsoe. Um, was that oh we really need to put him in the trade but we don't really want to get rid of him I, 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 again I can't I can't empathise for, for Clippers fans back when that happens but every time I hear Shea's name it, it hurts a little bit inside <laughs> so uh, I think I think with that one we'll, we'll move on to our final quarter Right, Wardy. So fourth quarter, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking forward at some of the games that we have circled in our calendar. And we were briefly uh, discussing the games that we had written down for this week. And uh, I feel like it's every other game, basically. It's uh, a big week for basketball. We're coming out of the uh, All-Star break absolutely swinging for the fences and it starts on Wednesday the 1st of March. First game that I have here is Cavs versus Celtics uh, for a similar reason that we mentioned earlier with these top teams in the East and um, for the Celtics they're going to want to win obviously as many games as they can. They're currently first but they really don't want to slip into second because no one wants to face the Sixers in that second round. That being said, this could be a forward look into the second round of the playoffs as everything stands now. You have a young, hungry Cavs team uh, versus again a young, hungry Celtics team and these two teams have been incredibly exciting this season and I think that every time you see the two of them go up against it, it's going to be a good game. So yeah, this is definitely one that I'm going to be watching back afterwards. And they had a couple of good games, I think within the same week, right near the start of the season, which were awesome. I think uh, they split them and one of them was the overtime thriller. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was when sort of Mitchell, he, that was his first hot run with yeah. the Cavs and everyone's like, wow, he is a... He's looking to be a superstar now. Yeah. Um, and obviously Tatum has done the same through this season, put himself on there. Um, so it's really nice. You've got that head-to-head, which is going to be good. Um, like you say, the playoffs around the corner is 
that that would be an exciting matchup. I think the Celtics would have it. Um, but you've seen the Cavs play with urgency in some games and they can sneak up on you as well. You know, I mean, to score 71 in a game, you can't count out someone like Donovan Mitchell. And I think um, uh, the, the young guys especially have been really good. Mobley has been playing quite well recently. I, I really like him as a player. He can do a yeah, little bit too. of everything. Um, uh, although Garland's been a bit quiet, he's obviously someone who's going to be really reliable, hopefully. And, uh, you know, Jarrett Allen, he's, he's what every team needs when he's going into playoffs. I mean, watching him and Robert Williams go up against each other yeah. will just be... Uh, I don't think they'll score for the if they play each other in the, no. in, in the postseason. I think you might get five, six, seven games of uh, those two not scoring, but blocking each other five times each. 100 rebounds as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the Cavs as well, like they're just going to want to try and make as much of a push as they possibly can. They're going to want to really try and get as far up the standings as they possibly can. Day of recording this, they are comfortably fourth um, with, uh, I think, the, the Nets are a few games back from them. But again, the Cavs are only a game or so away I mean they've got less games to play kind of moving into the the final however many games of the season I mean most teams now have what 24 to 20 games and I think for the Cavs they are at 19 games I think actually looking at the Cavs they have the fewest games left to play uh, leading up to the end of the season and looking at uh, Tankathon uh, for the (laughs) remaining schedule According to Tankathon, the Cavs actually have the third easiest uh, stretch going into their final 19 games. Now, you compare that to the Sixers, uh, they've apparently got the second hardest stretch going into the final however many games of the season. So, uh, again, I know this is all based on statistics and things like this, but uh, very, very, I, I, all of these games are going to count, as we said. We wanted all of these teams in the East. It's almost like we said before with the West. As long as you've got home court advantage, you're kind of all right. With the East, you want to get as high up that ranking as you possibly can. Um, Talking about the West, there is probably a a, a team that we should talk about this week, Wardy, seeing as we can't not talk about the Suns when you're uh, a starter this week. Uh, KD's apparently making his debut on Wednesday. Uh, It's supposedly reported that KD is going to be debuting against the Hornets of all teams (laughs) on the first of the third. Um, kind of a nice easy game for for KD to kind of come into it surely yeah it's almost as if they planned that he's gonna play in a game like this one I mean the the Hornets oh I don't want to say it because we'll probably end up losing and uh, but (laughs) they're really bad they're very bad they're trash and they got worse at the trade deadline um for obvious reasons um you know the Wemby sweepstakes are uh, heating up a little bit oh yes um but yeah I mean this should be a good game. He's looked good in over the last couple of weeks in training. So he's obviously been fit enough to play. Uh, they've just been playing it low key. Um, it surprised me that if he's fit to play, he didn't play against the Thunder at the start of this trip. Um, but perhaps they were a little bit more worried about the Thunder than the Hornets. But I mean, it's going to be exciting to see KD play and how he fits in. Um, it shouldn't be too difficult. I mean, he's that we've talked about it before. He seems to be a guy that can just fit in anywhere. His skills fit in with everybody. Yeah. People love to play with him. Um, and from all the drama with the Nets, um, he seems to be like really steady and a bit of a rock. So you won't really have any problems about locker room. He should just fit in, get on with it. Um, 
And hopefully, I think it, it, it's an important game this week, but it's not going to be a very good game to watch. It would just be good to see what KD does, how he fits in. Yeah. Um, and just uh, because it's not going to be a good game and not one to talk about. No. Um, let, let's talk quickly about Michael Bridges. Um, yeah. He, he was asked who his favourite player was and his face was amazing. I was like the... Like he seems like a really, uh, I love him. I think he's brilliant. He was like a big piece to give up. Yeah. Um, he seems like a really humble, fun guy. Um, yeah. And when he said Katie's my favorite player, the look he gave. Yeah. Was, the irony. It was great. Yeah. So I feel good. like I'd be so quite good. happy as, as him though. Like you are, you are like a, a basketball player almost because of this player, right? Like, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that, he, he, KD has probably shaped Mikel Bridges into mm-hmm. the player he is now, admiring him. And like you said, that's his favourite player. That's who he looks up to. And you're now involved in a trade with your... Like, you're, you've made it that much that you're involved. Like, the other team feels like you are a good enough asset to give up for your favourite player. Like, I'd be a little bit honoured with, with yeah. that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, definitely. And he's got KD-like vibes to him. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do or what he can become with the Nets, because he, he's shown it briefly. Um, yeah. it, it, it's going to be exciting. Well, we're, we're going to be jumping a little round, uh, jumping around a bit with this particular quarter, but seeing as we're talking about the Suns, I feel like we should prolong the Suns talk, because on the 5th of the 3rd, next Sunday, uh, we have Suns versus Mavs. This week, we could be seeing the first time since the split KD versus Kyrie. And this is big for a number of reasons. Number one being what I've just said there, KD versus Kyrie. But Suns and Mavs, there ain't a lot of distance between them in the West. I mean, currently day of recording, there is literally a game between the Suns and the Mavs. It might be a little bit different in a week's time when they actually play. But there's big kind of seeding ramifications with this one but also we get to see those two go off against each other and I'm really really interested to see what that's like who's gonna who's gonna really go for it or are they both gonna go for it are we gonna see a mad KD Kyrie just ignore Luca Luca can go away ignore <laughs> Book and CP3 you can go away I just want to see like one-on-one KD and Kyrie after the split yeah and like you said it's not a lot like there's not a lot of distance either between no the Mavs embarrassing Phoenix in the playoffs last year. Um, and they've had our number this year as well, uh, pretty Why much. Why have I not even thought of that? So not only yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Mavs' That's... son's rivalry has now yeah. got an extra layer to it. This exactly. is even better. That, you've just absolutely, you've made that rivalry like even better for me now, Woody. I completely forgot about the playoffs. Not only yes. did that happen, but we've now got <laughs> KD and Kyrie. This is perfect. It's because you're not a Suns fan. You can't yeah. feel the pain like I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this is going to be great. And I'd like to see... Um, what happens between Kyrie and KD pre-game and during the game? Because you might get a bit of an inkling on what's happened um, over in Brooklyn. You know, KD plays it very straight. Kyrie, who knows what he's thinking or doing? I think no. anything he says, you take it with a pinch of salt. But, you know, KD has played, he's, he's played the good teammate, hasn't he? He's, he's back Kyrie all the time. Um, but you can't hide stuff like that when you get on the court. So it'd be really interesting to see how they... Not, you know, not match up in a traditional sense, but, you know, what they do, if there's yeah. going to be any rivalry there. Um, but this should make for a really good game. If KD can get his legs underneath him, you know, before that and uh, get into a bit of a rhythm, this this could be awesome. Like, this could be one of the best games of the season yeah. if they go for it and everyone's playing. 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. We do have uh, a, a couple of rematches this week. Um, we won't go into too much detail because we spoke about it quite heavily in the first quarter. But uh, we have got the Clippers versus the Kings rematch, and uh, I feel like after the post-game conference with De'Aaron Fox saying we don't give a f. <laughs> I'm not swearing because Mark's not here and I don't think I've sworn this entire episode. So No, uh, we've done well. We've done uh, well. Yeah, uh, after Fox saying, I don't give a F who's on the other team after being asked about uh, the Clippers and, and their changes, uh, I wonder if Westbrook's going to hear that and try and come for bloods come this rematch. Uh, and we also have Memphis versus Nuggets rematch as well. So again, we get an opportunity to see first and second in the West go at it. And also that like little group of really third through um really almost seven to eight uh, i'd probably say yeah. third to third to six is probably a little bit more realistic when yeah, you've yeah. got there's there's really a game separating uh three and four there's a game separating four and five a game separating five and six like that kind of three to six really the the, the final spots in the playoff really really important and no one again no one wants to be um <laughs> going up against the Grizzlies early on or anything like that, right? Like we, it's, it's, this could have a big impact on, on the playoffs. Yeah, I don't, I'm not looking forward to the, the Nuggets-Grizzlies rematch as much because, no, no, not, I mean, and it's not going to make too much of a difference. You know, they're not going to gain too much on the Nuggets if they win again. Um, but it's, it's everybody else underneath. The, the Grizzlies will want to win because, you know, someone like the Kings, the Clippers, the Suns, they could sneak in there and take second if, they, if they're if they not pushing all the time all the way through. Yeah. Um, but obviously the, the Clippers, Kings, so excited for because of what we got left with in the last game on Friday. Um, and obviously the standings, they're so close as well. And I think this is where those mini-series that we've had recently this season works, you know, um, because you get those games where you catch lightning in a bottle, people are going to come back for this one. Yeah. Um, and it, it's going to be in Sacramento, I think, isn't it? So yeah. can you imagine what that arena is going to be like? It's, yeah. it, it's from the start, I mean, hopefully it's not going to disappoint. Um, but, you know, it, looking at the last game, it's definitely one to look forward to. Yeah. Talking about games that we don't want to disappoint, um, again, seen as we're, we're trying to fill a mark-shaped hole in this week's podcast, uh, we'd be rude to not say uh, Nets versus Knicks on the first of the third that uh, uh, Mark is going to. So we'll be able to get a full breakdown of how the game actually was from Mark uh, when he returns. But uh, overall, this is also quite an important game when you really think about it. If we're looking at the standings in the East, uh, again, there's only a game really that separates these two. A lot of people are wondering whether the Nets are going to drop out of the playoff picture uh, because of the obvious trades. But they have lost a lot on offense, but as we've been saying, they have to be one of the most solid defensive teams at this minute of time. Uh, I, I think the, the moves, we haven't been able to see too much of an impact because of the fact that they had a couple of games and then we went for all-star break. But as soon as we're going to start seeing a run of games from the Nets, we're really going to be able to see whether or not this real defensive-minded team is actually going to allow them to keep winning games. Or, as Mark said the other week, um, yeah, defense wins championships, but we need a little bit of offense to win some games. So really, really <laughs> interesting to see whether or not the Knicks, whether Julius Randle is going to keep his post All Star hot streak running, or there's lots of 
who knows? Lots of question marks going over this game, but uh, I think it'll be a good one. I think, you know, Mark's definitely picked the, the right week to go, especially yes. being um, a, a Knicks fan, seeing them them twice and obviously the Nets as well. And they are exciting. We've seen, you know, Cam Johnson can fill a role or have in previous seasons when superstars have been out. He's been incredibly solid. He's had some great games. And we see this season that Bridges, he plugged all the gaps for the Suns. Yeah. The Nets need a top tier player, you know, like any team does. Um, but they have got a really solid foundation now um, with those two. Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't move the needle in terms of a superstar, but he's another solid player. If you can get someone of that caliber later down the line. Um, and I think all those players have shown that they can really steady a ship on a team, which could be just about enough to keep uh, the Nets in the playoff picture. Or the, I think into the play-in, I think I think the Knicks are going to push them out. Um, and if the, the Heat can sort themselves out because they've had a rough week, um, they, they should be looking to push the Nets out as well. Um, but I think they could look... You know, they could make some noise in the playing and then go into the playoffs and, and give someone a run for their money. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And um, I think you're absolutely right for the Nets. They definitely need to have a superstar. I don't know off the top of my head who we have kind of coming up for the mm-hmm. free agency this summer. I don't know if there are any sort of big names that we could potentially see come over to the Nets. I mean the big ones that kind of spring to mind are James Harden and Kyrie Irving. And we know how that ended up last time, right? <laughs> so uh, I don't think they're going to be going back anytime soon. So I, there's there's no one off the top of my head that I can instantly think of that they could potentially bring in. Um, unless, of course, I don't know, they want to go for another trade and trade away some of these foundational pieces. But like you said, you don't want to get rid of some of those foundational pieces. You want to keep your Mikael Bridges and your Cam Johnsons and your Spencer Dinwiddie's there because if you build around them, all of a sudden now you've got a, a hell of a team. So definitely, definitely going to be interesting. A um, couple of other games that we've got circled as well for this week. Sixers, Bucks, uh, just because of the fact that who doesn't want to see Embiid and Giannis just absolutely go at each other. Um I, I, I don't want to flog a dead horse with how important the East is, but the Bucks are going to want to win it. The Sixers are going to want to win it. And I also think there are there's bigger stakes than simply just standings with some of these games as well, right? Uh, at the minute, it's very up in the air as to who could potentially be MVP. Uh, Embiid is in the race. Giannis is in the race. Jokic is in the race. And if we see Embiid embarrass Giannis, is that going to sway people to think Embiid? Likewise, if Giannis embarrasses... And Beal, I don't know if he will because I think he's got a hand injury, isn't he? But I don't know how, whether yeah. or not he's going to be available. But you don't, these, there's other kind of outcomes to these games, right? Especially when you do have these MVP contenders kind of going at it against each other. If Embiid goes off against the Bucks, voters are going to maybe start thinking, should Embiid potentially get this? Or um, should we be thinking about Giannis again? And yeah. It's going to be an interesting game to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is a potential conference semi-final matchup. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and these are the two most dominant players in the league. Their, their skill sets, their size, their ability. Um, you know, we talk about them all the time, about how physically dominant they are yeah. um, and how sort of uh, their mentality is to just go and beat up on everybody. And, you know, I know they won't necessarily go up against each other so much, but they do. And I think they like playing against each other. I think these are guys that respect each other and they will give it, give them their best and they'll give us a really good show as well. Is this the dagger? <laughs> 
Right, I tell you what, guys, it's probably a good opportunity for uh, us to call it a day there then. There's lots to look forward to this week. We have a big, big, big week of basketball. I'm, I'm very excited to, to chat next week and, uh, again, hear from Mark about his uh, his hands-on experience with, with the Knicks, getting, getting involved in uh, the Knicks culture out there. But uh, with that, I should probably just say thank you for listening to the Hoops and Recreation podcast. Remember, if you like this episode, leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Make sure you follow uh, at Sneakers and Recreation on Instagram to be kept up to date with all things Hoops and Recreation. Until next time, guys, goodbye.